0: Hey, mm-hmm. Picasso's
1: mm-hmm. freestyle, mm-hmm. let's do mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Hey, mm-hmm. eating a couple wings mm-hmm. with a couple kings. Mm-hmm. They're my favorite things. Hey, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. hey, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I got. Mm-hmm. I'm not a good freestyle rapper. Wait, hold on, let me think for a
0: Folks, you do not have to be a good freestyle rapper to enjoy the best deals on the best pizza in Western New York. Go to Picasso's Pizza.net to do that. But you know, if it's hump day, if it's Wednesday, that can only mean one thing. It is another edition of What's Trainwreck Watching. And again, unless you've been buried in your own multiverse, you know we are going deep into Marvel's What If. We are now into the seventh episode in this nine-episode season. So without further ado, let's get him in here. The Micah Man, Jake Micah. The casali files joe casali gentlemen how are we doing on this wednesday and how are our initial reactions to this week's installment of what if
2: oh man we uh fantastic of course i mean as we say every wednesday it's it's just it's wonderful to be a marvel fan because each week we get a new addition to the greatness of the marvel cinematic universe And, you know, today I'm just feeling Ragnarok vibes all the way through. I mean, this episode was a hell of a lot of fun. It reminded me a lot of my favorite Marvel movie, Thor Ragnarok. And just, you know, a good time all around. So I'm excited to talk about this with you guys. Uh,
1: This episode reminded me how terrified I am of both my mother and my grandmother. Um, Yeah, that's pretty (laughs) much, that's, that's that's what I took away. I was like... Scared for something I did to that have I haven't done yet today to get scolded about it later. That's that's what this episode gave me. It was a fun episode though. Um it it was definitely a turn from the last couple weeks where we've had Mm -hmm. to deal with some some crazy shit. This is a little bit more lighthearted with our with our boy Thor, but it it was fun and they've they've been hitting like they we I don't think we've I don't think any of us have truly like disliked an episode yet. Like I mean we have our favorites here, but they've all been pretty solid. So interested to see how you guys feel about today's installment.
0: Of course, we'll get into it and where we rank this week's episode of What If versus the other six of the season so far, but let's get into it. So, obviously, the storyline in this What If verse, what if Thor was an only child, what if Odin never adopted Loki when they uh, assaulted Jotunheim, what if he returned him to his parents? Thor grows up uh, a little bit naive, a little bit of a a party animal. I mean, it's not really anything to say. He literally calls himself the prince of the party. And of all spots, Casale, he lands in Sin City, Las Vegas. What a great start to this (laughs) epic.
2: Absolutely. I mean, just like how every episode starts, it it dives deep into a world of one of our favorite uh, movies. Uh, This time it was 2011's Thor that, you know, obviously, and I mean, straight off the bat, it started off pretty much the idea of what if Loki and Thor were never brothers? What if Odin never saved Loki? from jodenheim and i mean if you really think about it not even just thor's history the first film but the entire mcu in general avengers all that it changes the game for everything so off right off the bat i think this definitely started off as as very big left to the center of you know this we're gonna really take a toll and, and go down a different role here but um but yeah and you know and Obviously, in that film, we uh, he landed in Mexico to, to uh, fall in line with Jane Foster and Darcy. But this time, yes, he landed in Sin City and uh, just wanted to start the party. I mean, even right when he landed first in, in Vegas and everyone was shocked and, and to see an alien come to the planet, at least that's what they were referring to him this time around. Um, yeah, it goes to show how Thor's attitude has changed. You know, I mean, the history of what Thor was going through within that first film was he was, you know, constantly bickering, not really bickering, but just having like a kind of duel with his brother when they were kids. And then once, you know, he got the light side and Loki got the dark side, obviously, in that film. And that kind of really put pressure, not only pressure on him, but just, you know, it kind of he learned a lot having Loki by his side. And, you know, obviously we knew what, what that happened and, and the outcome through Loki's side. But it really goes to show how much of an impact that was to, to see Loki not involved at all. You know, Thor just wanted a party. You know, it, it really changes the whole outlook and game for what he wanted to do. You know, he he wasn't, uh, he didn't have it on his mind, at least, I guess, to be, you know, a good ruler for, uh, for Asgard. He was just, you know, he wanted to just, you know, party and and you know, just try and uh, have a good time.
1: One of my favorite things, um, one of my favorite things of this show is trying to figure out what movie Casali has on in the background. That's just a little sidebar. But uh, the, one of my favorite things about this episode was uh, I had a me and my friends had a conversation in a group chat the other day about knowing when to go, knowing when the party's done, knowing when to go home. I don't think Thor is one of those guys. I don't, and it does it clearly. He's not one of those guys. He doesn't know when the party ends. Maybe that's I mean maybe everything's just a party with Thor around. I mean, he he got pretty much everybody in the universe, you know, everybody we've seen in the MCU was down in, down on Midgard just having a great old time. I mean, he he seems to be able to uh, bring the people together, but uh yeah, it was it was an interesting take to see just what Thor would be like. Like Thor was pretty immature in the original Thor movie, but this kind of took it to a whole different level. Um yeah, a guy that you wouldn't even would you even trust him like like that first movie when he goes into Yodenheim does that bad like would you even trust him to do something like that? Like would he even be like is he even focused enough to go in and have a battle? Like I feel like that dude is not battle ready at all. Like he's just trying to travel around the he's clearly causing destruction around the universe, as we find out later in the later in the episode. But yeah, it was it was uh a very much the moment for me. I was like, you know what, Thor's the guy that just needs the someone needs to tap him on the shoulder and be like, it's time to go home, buddy. It's time mm. to go home. Seriously, this episode was all about vibes. You're right. It was it was the vibe of
0: Thor one with his naivety and his like selfishness, mixed with Iron Man Two, where he just kind of wanted to party <laughs> and have everyone around and like do party tricks with his superpowers and everything. Very interesting. Yes. Yeah, so he gets to he's partying in Vegas. Real quick, who's your guys' uh, favorite one to favorite character to see uh, in Vegas when he brought the whole crew in?
2: Oh man, I'm you know it's it, I think what was kind of cool, too, is you really had to pay attention to notice everything. I mean, uh, I love seeing the Grandmaster show up. uh, You know, Jeff Goldblum was always, you know, a saint. But, I mean, I got to also give it to Howard. Howard the Duck. It's it's always great to see Howard the Duck. The most underused guy in the MCU, Howard the Duck. I don't know what the – I
1: don't remember what the gold people's name are from Guardians of the Galaxy. But that was the biggest shock to me because they did not seem like Mm. they were, you know – pretty they didn't seem like they were fun people to be around uh in that movie and they were down there having a grand old time with Thor so I don't remember the goal people say maybe one of you two maybe not um I'm sure we're gonna see them in Guardians 3 with the way that ended but mm-hmm. yeah them they were the most surprising by me and Howard you, you took that one I mean we just need more Howard in our lives especially with Thor Always the more Howard I was gonna two things. One is Drax just pukes no matter what.
0: He he nice. he, he's, he likes to pull the trigger, no doubt about. it. Yeah. And then so I was I was I couldn't remember the grandmaster's name. It was escaping me because it's hard not to like look at a guy and just be like, that's just Jeff Goldblum in this movie. Mm. Um, but I, so I went to look him up, and I was happy to see that he'll be reprising his role in Love and Thunder. So yeah. I didn't know that, but it already stacked cast in Love and Thunder, and we're going to yeah, get man. some gold, some Jeff Goldblum man group. So a lot to look forward to there. Um, yeah, so he's partying. And, of course, out of the Avengers, I mean, there's not many that can go toe-to-toe with Thor. And one person who can go toe-to-toe with Thor, but not in this universe, Thor's brother from another mother. All of a sudden, the biggest surprise to me was seeing Loki in full size as a frost giant. I completely suspected that. I completely forgot that he like never really truly grew up into his physical form. I mean, it was crazy seeing him and, having, and seeing them actually be friends, seeing them have a bond was an interesting alternative to what we have. Not to say that they don't have a friendship and a bond, but it's a lot more fleeting in their uh, main multiverse relationship with Sally.
2: Yeah, no, I I, honestly, that was probably the biggest shock and surprise uh, of the episode for me, too. Uh, One of the I mean, honestly, one of the things that I kind of I didn't have a tough time with, but it was just very like a big choice of like, okay, so Loki is still involved, but he's still a frost giant, which obviously would make sense because Oda never, you know, freed him from uh, from uh, Yonan. But to see, you know, that he was you know he actually had a big bond with thor which again was lovely and and that only grew you know within the films within like ragnarok verse and stuff like that where loki and thor were really actually bonding but yeah to see it like straight from the start was a bit like okay like this is what we're doing this is where we're going which again is the power of the show that it shows how much the multiverse really can change things and and lead different stories and they can play with any idea that floats in their head uh, as far as the writer's side so i thought that was cool and i mean of course it was great to see loki tom hiddleston back of course anytime you put him in like take my money you know i mean he is that character whether he's a frost giant or you know the norse god himself but yeah it was it was definitely it was sim- it was i wasn't expecting it but it was definitely it was a treat it was nice i want like a buddy cop Yoda, like
1: Jodenheim version of Loki and Thor running around the universe together as like big homies. Like that's, that's what I want. And the second I saw that and saw them getting along, I was like, yes, this is what we need. This is what, what if it's for, mm-hmm. give me like a whole five episode run of them causing some chaos in some foreign planet and getting stuck there and all kinds of shenanigans. I was with it. It was, they've, they've had good chemistry since the beginning. I mean, that Thor right out of Thor going back to Thor one, I'll give this point credit to my brother. He said that it's one of the best like pulled from a comic book fight is that Thor and Loki fight. And I think that that's I think that's just one of the examples of the how incredible these two were in in their role to like kind of represent that friction, the brotherly mm-hmm. fighting and also the times that they've kind of gotten along when they needed to or when they didn't to. So I, it's it's been a cool relationship to explore throughout all the movies and to have this little twist on it was really neat and i definitely wanted i want to see more of frost giant loki he just he he seemed so much uh so much happier in his pure form
2: yeah i mean and not even that too i it's always great to see them kind of mess around and obviously have that bond like you said jake but um i mean you know in the real world as well tom hiddleston he was actually up for thor he was yeah he, you know, he uh did the audition for it before they even got uh Hemsworth. So, you know, obviously I, I think you know it just fits. It they they have a wonderful chemistry, like you said, and it's always great to see them. Both of them are perfect at their roles. But yeah, it's always it's always interesting.
0: Shout out your brother Jake for sure, because that is probably like I because I can see the battle right now between Loki and Thor at the end of the row. and I would also argue that out of the first uh, phase of the Infinity Saga, Thor 1 did the most to try and be like frames out of a comic yeah. book, constantly. Oh, absolutely. Sure. Maybe they thought it was... I, I think that basically as they continue to venture into space and whether it's the Guardians of the Galaxy, they wanted to take those chances, and obviously they paid off in spades as you're getting stuff like oh. What If Now and all these different mm-hmm. uh, things. And speaking of different things, someone we've only gotten recently, Captain Marvel... Captain Marvel gets called in by, uh, what is it, Di- or not, or, uh, not what is it, director, not assistant director? Maria Hill. Yeah, but but isn't it like managing director? Whatever, I don't know what, it, what the first <laughs> part is. Acting director. Acting, acting like, director, yeah, yes, there you go. that's what I was
2: saying. <laughs> gets
0: called in by acting director, and this battle between Captain Marvel and Thor, I mean, my goodness, I get that it's animated, they can do a couple things they, they couldn't normally do with uh, IRL, but my goodness, what a battle to Captain Marvel and Thor. And I would dare say best battle we've seen one-on-one in the MCU so far.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, too, uh, you know, gearing up for acting director, a kind of little goof because this episode had a lot of stuff in it. You know, uh, Fury was obviously involved and, and he was the director of S.H.I.E.L.D., but he got knocked out to the side by none other than Cork, uh, one of my favorite characters, yeah. voiced by the great Taiko Waititi, who directed Ragnarok and is directing the new Love and Thunder. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's also it's great that not that you know it's it's so difficult because I think Captain Marvel within the movies she not, I mean she did have her time to shine, but I think the way that she was brought into the mcu was not only very late i mean you could say easily but it was just like her movie her movie her first film was done right after infinity war the first time we ever saw her within the universe was right after the snap in a post credit scene so she already had so much weight on her shoulders for not only her film captain marvel to realize like okay let's see her relationship between fury and captain marvel how did we get this how did how did how does this make sense we want some context to this at least one you know 30 second scene and then after captain marvel and in the post-credit scene in captain marvel when the avengers after the dusting and everything they got her back they they use the device to try and get her back. You know, she comes and, and you know, even though she does save the day, yes, she did save Tony Stark in Endgame and and whatnot. You know, then again, she kind of went off to other worlds to see what was going on. And not until the ending of that movie is when she showed up. So, you know, it was, I wouldn't even say brief, but it just has been, you know, it it just, it was kind of wonky for her to come into the MCU, even at this point, because we grew up with, with all these characters. So... Having these shows to showcase because this was also not the first time that they used the device to call her. Didn't they do it also in the zombie episode too? It was was it that one or was it the other uh, the other episode? I forget what uh, it was. It was. It was
0: not zombies. It, it, was, was, it, it, was, when, uh, it was. when. It was Hank was killing Ken, everybody. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What if?
2: What but, if? Yeah. What if
0: they never became the Avengers for sure?
2: All right. So, but still, that's you know. So that's it's cool that they get to use. You know, this I wouldn't even say plot device, but it's cool get, that they get to utilize her now and also kind of, you know, reestablish those scenes of calling using the pager and calling her. Because obviously that has a lot of weight, too, because she gave it to Fury at the end of Captain Marvel. of Like, if you need me, but for like the real big boy stuff, then use it. And then obviously I, I want to every-
0: talk about the pager real quick, too, before you yeah, go on yeah, the pager. Yeah. They bring it out and call it the last resort. And this is just my question. I'm not poking fun. But why is it in this big, like, case, and then she just takes it out and hits the button? Like, shouldn't there have been some protocol or something? Like, was I the only one who was a little underwhelmed when she just, like, whipped it out? She's like, I did it. Or, like, "or the signal sent. I thought it was a little bit, a little bit, like, wonky.
2: Absolutely! Oh yeah, it definitely. I mean, it wasn't like in you know at the end of her film, you know, when the Avengers did it, they hooked oh, it up. Epic, to, you know, epic. You know like so, that's what yeah, I was. I agree with I that. Expecting. I absolutely agree with I'm that. that. <laughs> I'm yeah, like
0: a machine Maria Hill. She's just like, oh, we're good.
1: <laughs> yeah, the we're good. Not <laughs> the way.
2: Like what? What happens if like it just falls out like her pocket or something, and and like it exactly. accidentally hits it like on the road, <laughs> and then she shows up for nothing, you know? <laughs> But yeah, so, and that's, you know, and obviously that's the thing too. A lot of people, you know, after Captain Marvel, you know, a lot of people were kind of complaining saying like, okay, well, how come she wasn't called for Ultron or, you know, when Loki came to earth or all the other stuff. So, you know, yeah, it does kind of, you know, get on its feet a little bit, but again, it's, it's cool that they get to utilize it. And obviously the, the fights and stuff between her and Thor was just magnificent I honestly think I think it's some of the best animation we've gotten within you know this show what if because it kind of showcased and had a little bit like you know I you know I don't know that much anime or or you know what the great artists you know overseas you know do and whatnot within these these shows but it kind of reminded me of that kind of style you know like it kind of was cool like Colorful, like you know, battles and stuff. It really brought it brought it to life like it was, you know, a part of the actual MCU.
1: Yeah, so maniac you like this. I think that uh Captain Marvel is essentially the Roman Reigns of the MCU in the fact that she has been super protected to start, and for good reason. Um, she is she's like the closest thing that Marvel really has to Superman, and that's Mm. always put these movies in any movie, Justice League, you've seen it. You've seen any Superman movies. And now with Captain Marvel, it puts them in a tough position because, like, they're OP. Like, they're, they're, she can come and destroy. Like, that was one of – you mentioned it, Casale, with her, like, being a plot device and she isn't. But that was the big complaint about Endgame, right, was that she kind of just comes yeah. in. She literally had to chill. She literally had a, chill. In, literally say, had a yeah. chill in
0: this episode <laughs> and basically say because she's so OP. Like, yeah. sorry, mm-hmm. I can't go because
1: I'm so OP. So that's like, that's the tough part with her. But the, the thing is, is that they've they've only given us these little spurts because they want us to know, like, no, re- listen, like whatever's coming up, like we know she's going to be heavily involved in the next couple phases, obviously in the comics, she has run the Avengers. I think she might be running them right now, not right now, but in one of the last couple years of the iteration, she was running the Avengers. So she is like, she's-
0: spoiler alert, Shang-Chi, she's like on the onboarding process for the new ones for sure.
1: Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Like heavily involved in the process they're going with there too. So, so it's coming and we're going to see her use that power at some point. But I think this what if episode even was like giving us a little glimpse of how powerful, but we've still, she's still been super protected in that. No, no one's really touched her. She got the big fight against Thanos and looked really good there. So we're it's they're they're trying to prop her up. They're trying to get, show us, like, hey, this girl is a big deal. Like, she is going to be a big deal going forward for the time being, and you need to pay attention when she's on the screen.
0: No uh, doubt about it. And speaking of paying attention, Natalie Portman, Jane, realizes that if we're going to stop Thor, we have got to get his mom to pay attention because Friggo went out for some drinks with the ladies once uh, Odin entered the uh-huh. Odin sleep. Which, by the way, that was some legit Odin sleep. Whatever was going on in Thor one, I don't know what was happening. But that Odin sleep that we saw in this episode, it looked like harmonic. It looked very nice. It looked mm-hmm. like you know like a good time. But Thor commits the ultimate dastardly act. He lies to his mother, and she's on the way to Midgard. She doesn't believe him. I mean, what do you think of this? This is a pretty crazy sequence. You got Thor, who's got all the power in the world, literally can't be defeated but he's brought to his knees because he's worried about appeasing his mother and making sure that she's proud of him, making sure that she's not upset with him. And he goes to this crazy scene where he, where he basically sudden summons the, uh, the power of Odin to command everyone to help him because his mom's mad. And I mean, just a a scenario. I think like you said, Michael, we're like, this is like what, what if was made for. So Thor (laughs) could scream at everyone on Midgard about his mother being potentially mad at him.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, Uh, Yeah, I mean, that's just the, I I think that's just the power of, of, you know, parenthood. I mean, we've (laughs) seen it before, whether it's good or bad, you know, good, obviously, like, I mean, throughout the movies and stuff, really fatherhood and motherhood has has been big themes within the films and the show, and bad, obviously, with what Gamora and, and Nebula went through with Thanos, you know, so... That really shows the power, you know, of family. That you know, not to sound like Vin Diesel right now from Fast and the Furious, but that's the power of family within these movies. That it really, you know, w- what builds these heroes. So the fact that uh, Friga comes in and and literally says Thor, like, no, like, cut it out, stop, like, is really. I mean, she's powerful already. She, you know, she throughout the film she uh, she had a big. Big role in, in Endgame, I think. Also, she had a really powerful scene with Thor when they went back in time, and Thor got to see her, you know, again because she passed away in in, in Dark World. So, not only she is a big, powerful, you know, you know, God, you know, because some consider her a witch, whatnot, within the movies and stuff, but it also it just shows, like, you know, I mean, the power of a mother's love, and and really, you know, what she, she has the power to really get through Thor because Thor wasn't, you know, he just wanted to do what he wanted to do and that was it. But, you know, it really took her, you know, strength to make him stop and realize what you're doing is wrong and you need to, you know, get everything back to normal and, and really be, you know, the king, the leader that, you know, you were always destined to be. So I thought that was very, very powerful. I was kind of half expecting
1: like earth to just still be in shambles. Like I was impressed at the pickup job Thor got because he was calling on the all father. You know, uh, yeah. And I was like, is the, is he going to answer? Like, he's not going to help this dude clean up. Like, why would he, why would he do that? That was just a little side note though. Yeah. Like everything, <laughs> I agree with everything you said there. Casali. Um it's been, and really like, that's been Thor's the main relationship like we thought it was Odin thought it was Loki but clearly the that mm-hmm. the thing that kind of turned him and in, into how he ended up and being going through the struggles that he was going through in endgame and everything was losing his mother and because you know whatever sense of responsibility he felt bringing Jane there and Thor too and everything so that it was nice to revisit that relationship in endgame and really nice to see a very different version of it but still to see how much those two like care about each other in this universe
0: seriously there's a lot of out i yeah i was thinking that when he was spinning the hammer around and he needed to clean up that like i was thinking about thor one when he was explaining the hammer how it could be used to like construct or like help or mm-hmm. something like it wasn't always a weapon of destruction or mm-hmm. whatever but i was surprised we didn't see it there so obviously we get the falling action of the episode we get thor so Frigga arrives and like Thor is like having like an outdoor lecture like three hundred one class. It was pretty unbelievable. Uh, Marvel pretty funny with that sequence. Um, and yeah, I thought you know just looking at the couple of scenes they gave Thor and Jane Foster in this episode, honestly. And we discussed this in the pre-show. Better job of uh, the romance they did in the three films.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, well, for my so, opinion, I, well, yeah, I, I honestly I agree with that too. And and you know it, it's kind of because. I mean, the film side also was a little too uh, crazy. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm about to get really nerdy here, but um, obviously, you know, Thor came along. Kenneth Branagh, you know, came in and directed it and, um, you know, a, hired Natalie Portman and hired Hensworth and Thor. And and that was they built their relationship And then Thor 2 comes along, Dark World. Now, uh, one of the directors that was actually signed up for Thor 2 was none other than Wonder Woman's Patty Jenkins. She actually had the reins for a little bit. And um, I don't know whether it was, I mean, that I'm a little fuzzy. I don't know whether it was the script uh, discrepancies or whatnot, but she ultimately let go of the project. Um, and from what I understand, Natalie Portman was a huge supporter of having Patty Jenkins on because this was also way before she blew up with Wonder Woman. But, you know, she still had a bunch underneath her belt monster and whatnot. So I think Natalie Portman was a big supporter of her, at least from what I hear. And when she got let go, she was very upset with it, but she still signed the contract to do Thor too. So after Thor, Natalie kind of left you know she wasn't involved in Ragnarok or you know the Avengers movies uh she obviously Jane was talked about I mean you guys remember that little gag in Ragnarok where you know they go to earth and and the and you know the the Mm -hmm. girl in the city said to Thor like sorry Jane dumped you you know so it was kind of Mm -hmm. like that where she you know she just wasn't coming back to the movies and you know but Ragnarok happened and you know, one thing led to another and she actually came back for Endgame, which shocked everybody. I remember watching the premiere of Endgame on, you know, on on uh, YouTube before getting ready to see the movie and seeing Natalie Portman on the red carpet. I was like, wow, like she's back, like it's awesome. And and I mean, I grew up loving Natalie Portman and the prequels and, and all that. Bad, Let's go. You know, of course. I mean, she's, you know, she's one of my favorite parts of of the prequels. And and she's done a lot of other great things also. But so, you know, it was cool to actually have her back. And then they had the scene when, obviously, I said this before, when Thor goes back in time to Dark World era in in Endgame. And we see a little bit of of her in the background. But from what I understand, that was actually her. It wasn't a double or whatnot. And obviously now she's signed on to come back in uh, Love and Thunder, uh, when Taika comes back, uh, when that movie comes out, uh, I believe, next year. So I loved, you know, just having her back. It was great to see her back playing this role because this is her. Like, this is her role. And even her relationship with with Darcy, Kat Dennings, I think, just works. They're, you know, it just the relationship. It's great. And, and her and Thor just, it's a wonderful, beautiful thing. So I think not only that you know, obviously this episode did show a lot more than we got in the movies, but I also think that it kind of had to because we lost so much within the movies. I think that's that's my opinion, at least. So, you know, I mean, and it was just sweet and it was great to see them back and stuff. And it got me just so excited to see the live action stuff, mm-hmm. uh, you know, next year. So, you know, it's very, very sweet.
0: I mean, that's yeah. a great point, Gasali. I'm going to let you go in a second, Micah. But I got to say, if you ship Thor and Lady Sif, let
1: let, let Casali ah. have it in the comments. Ah. oh, Let him have it, for sure. I'm a, I'm a big Sith fan, I'm not going to lie. not a big, <laughs> big Sith fan here. I don't know if I'm putting you guys on the game here or not at all, but in the comics, I, I'm glad you mentioned that Jane is showing up in Love and Thunder because she is Thor in a recent hmm. comic. Lady like Thor, Jane yeah. Foster Thor, Lady Thor, whatever she ends up as. And so I think one of the things that What If has tried to do has at least in some of these episodes has kind of give us threads that we should still be looking out for like these, like whether it's been super connected to the movies or not, they've given you at least a thread of something to look forward to going forward. I think Mm -hmm. last week's episode where it's Killmonger and Tony and talking about Tony's legacy and that like that's kind of what ultimately it was about like Tony trying to set up his legacy right he wanted Killmonger to take over and do all this stuff we have and an right. Ironheart show coming up that's and an Armor Wars show yes. coming up that's pretty much exactly addressing Tony's legacy so I think that's one example of it and I think this is another one is exploring that relationship and I mean the movies the movies called Love and Thunder like we know that th- that that is probably going to be a focus of this movie. Um, is his relationship with Jane? I'm assuming also since he's, they're gonna, the Guardians are gonna be around there too. We're gonna see some Star Wars mm. Gamora stuff involved in there too. I think that these relationships are gonna get explored a little I'm more. So now. excited for that movie! Yeah, it's gonna be amazing. It's gonna I be can't wait.
0: There's a lot to get explored as we continue to explore here on what's Trainwreck watching here on Trainwreck Sports. Make sure you're following Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Instagram. We've got it all. But then just when you think it ends, all of a sudden a portal opens and out comes. I had to like do like a triple rewind on this. <laughs> Ultra oh, yeah, vision with the infinity stones.
2: Oh man. Oh my god. Like <laughs> Yeah. Seriously? I, you know, I it just uh, you know, every episode we've actually we've had like I mean, call it a post-credit scene if you want, but every episode at the end. We've had like a little inch where it's like, wait, wait, whoa, what's that? Like, I remember when zombie Thanos showed up and I'm like, yes. wait, like, come on. Like, so there's been a lot of that stuff. But yeah, I, it took me to like the first time I watched this sitting on the train going to work. And all of a sudden I see, okay, this guy showed up. Oh, wait, that looks like Ultron. Oh, wait, he hasn't. Wait, what's that on infinity stones on his chest? And then the helmet comes up and that I, I didn't catch it first. I'm like, wait, that's vision. So like, you know, who knows? I mean, are they building up to something like within the episodes? Could that be the vision from, you know, the zombie episode that, you know, losing grief from Wanda? I don't you know, like it's so exciting to see. So, I mean, maybe, you know, maybe at the the finale is really building up to something huge, you know, so it's very exciting
1: yeah we have no like that every episode like you just said like they've had so many cliffhanger endings mm. there's no way that they're not following up this oh, thread absolutely. somewhere somewhere yeah uh ultron with the infinity stones and vision on his back might be as op as thanos though so, like that's that's a pretty mm-hmm. i was like terrified the second i saw that for anybody in the MCU, I was like that that can't happen to anybody that's just that is a recipe for a disaster i don't know ultron I'd take that Ultron against Kang. I'd take him against Thanos. I'd take him against all of them. That was that was a scary, scary moment. And I hope we get to see him again. Yeah, I, I think
0: we're definitely going to see these story threads again. Just like you'll be seeing us again here on What's Train Arc watching as we have another episode. We got two more episodes in this season for you. Real quick, 30-second countdown, because I know Casali's uh, got a party. I'm watching <laughs> uh, Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes uh, animated series. They had a free episode came up my YouTube feed, so I just played it. It was like a the 200th episode or whatever and they fought a guy named zebediah Kilgrave, aka
1: purple man oh you ever heard of this guy yeah so if you know have you guys either watched the jessica jones uh yes Netflix series? yeah so oh, you know there? it's funny yeah. i was
2: twisting in my head i was like Kilgrave. wait a minute mm. is that david Tennant from jessica jones season oh one? My oh my god yeah you
0: want to talk Maybe. about op this guy's op
2: yeah, Kilgrave's a scary
1: motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> he is terrifying.
0: Bro, he was about to have Iron Man kill Thor.
1: Well, I mean, yeah. So what, I mean- yeah, so what would the episode entail? What did, like, he, he, had, he, had Iron, he had
0: Iron Man and a couple other Avengers under his spell. They, they were locked yeah. in. Yeah. And so they uh-huh. were basically, they were like, get out, like, get outing, like, where they knew what they were doing. And they were trying to stop. Yep. But like, oh, it was, it was oh, terrible. Yeah. But, but great episode. And that's why we keep tuning in. I know everyone's gotta go. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you very much for following along. Make sure you like and subscribe to the episode. Where you know here at what trainer watching it's Micah, it's Casali, it's Maniac, and it's always about next
2: next, next week episode. Week's episode.